Uh, why, don't I, why don't I pray for us? Uh, why don't I pray for us as we uh, begin? <clears throat> um, Father, pray, uh, be with us now as we uh, open your word, come to it, um, uh, enliven our minds, we ask. Um, many of us just wake it up, many of us are tired after a long week. I uh, pray, be teaching us. Um, and um, think you'd be helping us think about our hearts. Um, would, we, would you be giving us uh, increased understanding of what we're like uh, inside, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so this last Sunday, next few Sundays, think about the heart. Um, I just want to go through just a couple of things uh, we covered last, uh, last Sunday. I'm um, thinking some of you who, who uh, didn't manage to make it then. Uh, so the heart. Um, we said the heart is the central core and drive of your life. It's your, it's your governing center. And it's the thing that, that directs you. And so as goes the heart, uh, so goes the man. And, and really, I think there's two key verses here uh, for us to have uh, before us. The first is Proverbs uh, 23, 26, um, which has these words. My son, uh, my son, give me uh, your heart. Um, God says to us, my son, uh, give me your heart. That's what he wants uh, primarily uh, from us, and he won't settle for less. Um, which means that as Christians, uh, we, we need to be those who are like, increasingly thoughtful uh, about ourselves, and uh, increasingly thoughtful about uh, the state of our hearts. Um, another place of scripture says that, that deep waters are difficult to understand, and so we need to be those who are working hard uh, to understand them. And the second verse is, is Proverbs 4.23. Uh, keep your heart with all vigilance or all keeping, uh, for from it flow the springs of life. Um, when we come to our hearts, what are we doing with it, according uh, to Proverbs 4? We're going to be keeping it, and uh, keeping it uh, for the Lord, uh, guarding it so, so that our, our lives are directed constantly uh, Godwards, uh, in other words. Um, and so the first step in all this must be that we work hard and to understand how the heart works. Um, and that, that's what we're doing over uh, these few Sundays, uh, trying to work out how our heart works. Um, as I said, the heart is simple, it's unified, it's the, it's the governing centre of me. You could also say it's complex. And so we thought about um, kind of three functions or three areas our hearts have, uh, according to scripture. Uh, your desires, your mind and your will. Uh, so very, very quickly, your desires, is, is, your, your cravings, uh, your longings. Um, often in our culture, we uh, reduce our hearts to that, don't we? Um, of course, our hearts is more than that, um, but it's not less than that either. Um, and when we speak about our desires, we must be also speaking about kind of what we love. Um, what, you, what you love uh, shapes uh, what you long for, uh, what you crave for. Um, your mind, so if your desire is what your, what your heart wants or loves, your mind is what your heart thinks. Um, so your heart dwells and meditates on certain things. It reasons towards certain ends. Uh, thoughts come into your mind up uh, out of your heart. Uh, what your heart enjoys, uh, your heart will explore uh, with your mind. Uh, your will, what your heart chooses. Um, do you choose to do right or wrong? Do you choose to deny uh, your desire, to act according to uh, knowledge or, or not? And it's very important uh, as we come to them to, to, to know uh, and realise that the three are uh, interwoven. Um, so, uh, so I think basically different cultures are constantly trying to pit them against each other. So our current culture probably pits uh, our feelings against our, our will, for instance. 
Um, so so you, need to, you need to make sure you're not denying uh, your desires. Um, historically, it might have been more that your, your will is put, your, your mind is pitted against your, your desires. Uh, so you need, to, you need to cross what you feel and follow what you know. Um, but actually, the three areas are unified. They're interwoven. Um, they, work as, they work as one. Um, let me give you some examples. Um, so what, what you love, for instance, that's a desire. What you love, you think about. And so the man who's desperately in love with someone uh, will, will obsess over them. Uh, the minds will be, his mind will be full of thoughts uh, about it. Or, or uh, flip around, I think, I think through meditation, um, through devoting your mind to a particular subject, you, you can inflame your desires. Um, we do that all the time as Christians. When we, when we pause and, and read a, a passage of scripture to take the crucifixion, uh, we're seeking to, to stir up our cold love uh, for the Lord, uh, to warm it. Um, equally, you can use your mind to get you what you want. So it's a reasoning and can be used by your heart in order to, to justify your desires. Or we'll take the will. Um, by the way, the concept of free will, I think, is, is, a, is a fallacy, isn't it? Um, our will is totally directed by, by what we want and what we know. Um, so in that sense, my will is inseparable. It's interwoven, it's bound up together with my, my desires and my mind. Um, so, for instance, they, 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 they inter, interweave. So um, one desire may strengthen my will against another desire. Uh, so the love for your wife might strengthen uh, your, your denying of your lust, for instance. Um, you can have different kinds of wills. You can have a weak will. It simply doesn't resist at all uh, to impulses of the heart. It just obeys them. You can have a stubborn will. Um, no matter how much you warned, no matter how much you, you get told, and no how much you know, you persist in choosing your heart's desires. You can have a wise will. Um, a wise will might be someone who seeks to allow knowledge to shape uh, their steps rather than come what they immediately instinctively feel. Um, so they're, they're interwoven, uh, they're linked together. Uh, the activity of your heart is worked out in them. Uh, it should be therefore obvious that a perfect heart uh, would involve all three areas. Uh, a perfect heart, a heart given over totally to God, um, uh, would involve a, a mind that has perfect knowledge of what God uh, wants, a will that then complies perfectly with that knowledge, uh, and then uh, desires and appetites uh, which are um, obedient and, ha- and happily submit um, to what God uh, calls us to submit to. Um, a perfect heart would involve all three areas. Uh, obviously, that is the heart of the Lord Jesus. When you look at him, he has a perfect heart. But equally, obviously, uh, it's not us, is it? Um, that should be very obvious to us. Um, even the reason for doing this series, um, to keep your heart of all keeping, the, the reason why you need to do that uh, is because our hearts aren't perfect. Uh, the presence of sin remains in us after conversion. Uh, we know that. We know that. Our, our hearts are, are messy things. And we're often conflicted uh, as Christians over doing what we know is right, because God's word tells us, and actually wanting to do it. That's a common Christian experience. Um, we, we find that our minds, for instance, obsess over things which we know aren't, aren't particularly healthy, according to God's words, how, how we look. Uh, or, um, or, or, or we know we're full of pride. Um, we, we constantly people who um, replay in our minds times when Others have laughed at what we said, or we said something clever. Um, we know our hearts are full of sin, and we struggle to care uh, about spiritual things. Um, we drag ourselves uh, to church, um, even this morning maybe. 
Uh, we find that sin has a powerful hold over us, uh, don't we? We, we resolve, um, maybe at church, we resolve to resist the sin that dogs our steps, and then we find uh, we go home and it drags us down again. Um, we're not perfect, our hearts aren't perfect, and that is every Christian's struggle. Uh, because the good news is, um, and particularly we'll be thinking about this next week, um, Christ comes to save us, uh, not just from the guilt of our hearts, um, but from the grime as well. So Ezekiel 26, speaks of when God promises in salvation to give people a, a, new, a new heart, a renewed mind, a new desires, new will. And I'll think about that more uh, next week. Uh, but this week, we're going to think about uh, the grime. And obviously, we're going to really pick up a few things in the next uh, 25 minutes. Um, it's not going to be a lesson on, on sin in general, uh, on original sin at all. Um, but it's helpful to, to start at Romans 1, um, particularly because we see the heart there so clearly. So just turn to Romans 1 if you've got a Bible. I was going to read um, five verses for us. Uh, Paul's just been saying that um, God is clearly visible in the world and in the creation that he's made, and yet man has refused to acknowledge that, to suppress the truth. And so let's read from verse 21. For although they knew God, and they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory, glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, the dishonouring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creator rather than the creature, sorry, rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Um, so obviously... Uh, I thought you all know this essence of sin uh, is abandoning God, uh, turning in and worshipping other things, ultimately worshipping ourselves. So Flavel says uh, the poise of the unregenerate heart itself by the person who's not yet become a Christian uh, is completely centred on, on themselves. And what's interesting, um, I, I think, in Romans 1, I hadn't really noticed this before I started doing, thinking about the heart a bit more, is how much the heart is involved in this. Uh, you, you see the mind. Uh, and, the, and the desires, and actually the will as well later on, are displayed to us in, in our rejection of God, in our sin. And so you go through it. And they became futile in their thinking, and mind thing, that their hearts were foolish and became darkened. And they came to be wise, again, that's a, that's a mind thing, but actually they were fools. And therefore, 24, uh, God gave them up to uh, the lusts of their hearts. Um, if, you, if you go on, you continue to find uh, God gives up to dishonourable passions in verse 26. Um, or even, at uh, 28, uh, a debased mind. Um, all, all our faculties of our heart are, are clearly fallen um, because of this abandoning of God and centering ourselves. Verse 32, that they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, that not only do them, but give approval to, to those who practice them. That's a, that's, a, that's a will thing, isn't it? They, they know what's wrong, and yet they choose to do it. And, and worse than that, they give approval uh, to what's wrong. Um, our, our hearts are bound up with, with sin. Man's heart is. Um, it pervades us uh, in all our areas. So um, 
theologian called Berkhoff says, sin does not reside in one faculty of the soul, uh, but in the heart. And from this centre, its influence and operation spread to the intellect, the will, and the affections, in short, the entire man. Now, uh, of course, um, if you're a Christian here this morning, uh, you have a regenerate heart. Uh, by grace, your hearts are being changed. Um, but that does not mean that sin doesn't remain in the heart. Uh, still, the presence uh, is still there. I get more to say that next week. Um, on the new hearts Christ is giving us. Uh, but the grime remains. If you like, you'll only be grimeless uh, in eternity. And so when we think about kind of man's natural heart, as we see in Romans 1, for instance, um, we'll discover our parallels to our own hearts. And we shouldn't be surprised to discover parallels to our own hearts as well. Um, and so we're going to start by doing that by looking at a verse in Jeremiah, two verses in Jer- Jeremiah. And so again, if you've got a Bible, turn to, turn to Jeremiah. It's a fantastically helpful verse for exposing our hearts. Um, let me read it and then uh, go into groups to discuss a couple of those questions. Uh, Jeremiah 17, uh, 9-10. Uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit uh, of his deeds. Okay, so just in groups, um, what do you think God is saying about kind of our natural hearts before Christ has done anything to them? When he, when he calls them desperately sick and deceitful above all things. And then just, just try and see if you can um, relate that to what I've been talking about, um, particularly with, with our thinking and desiring here. Um, go for it, five, five, ten minutes. Good, let, let's draw that together. Um, let's put it together. It's a, it's a fruitful verse to think about, I think, um, to, to hear my heart described uh, like this. Of course, the first thing you want to say is, um, if, if we're looking inwards, which is what we're doing for most of the series, looking inwards at our hearts, um, we're, we're going to hopefully start to find um, that, that this verse is true of us, if, that, if you haven't found that already. Um, which, of course, if we're desperately sick, um, we don't stay looking in ourselves, be like, oh man, I'm so ill. Um, we, we run to the Lord Jesus. Um, looking in at your heart is meant to be constantly driving you towards God and towards uh, Christ. Um, I think one, one person once said, no idea who. Every, every time you look into your heart, uh, you're meant to be taking ten looks up uh, at Christ. Um, uh, broadly, broadly speaking, I, I think sickness, we could relate to our desires, um, uh, deceit uh, to our minds. Um, and it's just very obvious that they've gone wrong. Let, let's work through them a little bit. Um, the next 10 minutes so our desires our mind our will and how sin has affected them again can't say everything but just, just a few highlights um, so, so our desires first our sick desires how has sin affected our desires um, well very simply I think we love the wrong stuff um, our, our love is corrupted or misguided um, what we like and enjoy uh, often has gone wrong it could be misdirected that would be for instance lust um, uh, sexually desiring the wrong woman or it could be excessive or twisted um, like greed um, overindulging on, on a good desire uh, God has given you um, it, it includes not desiring the right stuff as well 
So Jeremiah 2, for instance, the famous verse about um, how God's people have forsaken God and drunk from cisterns, cracked and dry. It's, it's two things. They desire the wrong water, but they've also forsaken desiring God. Um, and I think what's particularly helpful is, is we don't know how to blush about it. And for Jeremiah 6, uh, 15, you look up if you want to. Um, God speaking about his people. Were they ashamed they committed abominations? No, they were not at all, not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Um, you get similar language in the New Testament of talking about um, people who glory in their shame. Um, it's even worse than not blushing. Um, the major problem uh, is actually we're not shocked about what we love. and uh, We like what we love. And that's why we sit, uh, because we like, we like sinning, essentially. And that's why we're desperately sick, according to the verse. Um, elsewhere in Jeremiah, actually, that, that word, desperately sick, is just, just rendered incurable. You're incurable. Um, we're trapped in ourselves because, because we want what we want, if that makes sense. Um, and then another helpful thought on our desires, um, when you're thinking about keeping your heart. Um, often your emotions divulge your, your, your desires, and actually our emotions often divulge kind of our false love. So if you've ever kind of inexplicably got angry for no reason, um, or, or just got very happy, um, or, or put in another desire there, just experience a wave of emotion, um, it's often because either your love is being denied or it's being fulfilled. Um, you can think of Lord of the Rings here. Um, the, the people who, who have the ring in Lord of the Rings have, have a passionate desire for it. And as soon as someone tries to take the ring from them, um, they get super, super angry and mad. Um, because that's what, they, that's what they love. And it's been taken from them. Think of, think of the character Gollum, for instance. And we get emotional over our treasure. Um, so that's our desires, sick, our mind. Our deceitful. Our deceitful above all things. It's like God's saying, this, this is one of the main characteristics of the human heart. Is that it's deceitful. And particularly, we can start seeing that when, when, we, when people say, I, I, I don't believe I'm sick. I don't think there's anything wrong with me. Um, which is pretty, pretty common in our culture. And even for us, we struggle to really think, am I, am I really that sick? Really? Am I really? Do I really love stuff that badly? Um, uh, but yes, our minds are deceitful above all things. Our thinking is warped. So you get that very clear in Romans 1, a debased mind, a mind that's been darkened and foolish. Um, our heart is, is, if you like, fixed on what it, what it loves and it won't listen to sense. Um, so, and big picture sense would be being able to perceive the world rightly. Um, so, so understanding and knowing that we're sinful, understanding that, that God is, is a holy creator. Um, and we, we're constantly failing to, to, to perceive that. Um, and so I think it's distorted because we, we deceive ourselves and believe our hearts are actually not that sick at all. Um, so our thinking can be warped and whoever trusts in his own mind is, is a fool Proverbs 28 verse 26 um, simple thinking can lead, lead to more sin I, 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 a very helpful example of this is, is in the Garden of Eden um, when did Eve sin first? Um, well I think she probably sinned first in a sense when, when she had kind of illicit thoughts about God so when the devil came tempting her and she believed the devil's lies that God really wasn't good uh, didn't want what was best for her wasn't really going to punish her uh, and, and the illicit thinking if you like uh, then, took to, then, then led to her taking the fruit um, and led to the action um, 
There's all sorts of ways that our mind can lead us to sin if we allow it. And thinking can justify our sin as well. Uh, Romans 2, verse 15. Um, really helpful here. Um, talking about unbelievers predominantly. Um, verse 15. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts, again in mind, accuse or even excuse them on the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by the Christ Jesus. What's going on in our, in our conflicting thoughts? Well, part of what's going on is that we're, we know what we do is wrong, and that accuses us. We have a conscience. Um, but also, at the same time, as our minds are accusing us, they also excuse ourselves. Um, we know what we do is wrong, but we can think up a uh, hundred excuses to say it wasn't actually that wrong. I, I couldn't, couldn't help it, so it wasn't really my fault. Um, or I just forgot. I, I, you know, I meant to pray, but just didn't remember. Um, I, I was not that bad. You know, I, know, I know the Bible says it's bad, but fill in the blank. Uh, it could be worse than that, actually saying, I know my mind's saying it's bad, but really it's good. Um, so the mind of our hearts... Uh, we'll always find a way to excuse what we want, and no matter kind of how selfish or self-destructive it is. Um, turn over the page to our will. Let me read a few more verses from Ephesians. I wonder if, if, it, if again, these are, these are broad categories, and, and there's obviously a lot more nuance you could put into them. But broadly, there's two ways you can think about how our will sins. So Ephesians 4, let me read from verse 17. Um, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, again, all mind stuff, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. And so they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And then, but... This is not how you learn Christ. I, Christian, you are different. Um, but just, just notice the two ways our will is talked about there. Um, so we've got an, an inclination to resist God. And that's what, talks, that's what it means when it talks about the hardness of heart. So in, in, in Romans, when people don't come and repent, it's because of their, their stubborn and rebellious hearts, or hard hearts. Um, we deliberately choose to disobey God. Um, Romans 8, verse 7, our mind is set on the, a mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. It can't submit to him. It doesn't want to. So inclination, inclination to resist God. Uh, and actually, um, you see in verse 19, kind of the more you resist godly things, um, the more callous you become. Um, you become harder towards God. So your desires lead you astray, your mind justifies them, and then you willfully pursue them. And as you do that, your heart is hardened. It becomes easier and easier to fall into sin. Um, you wrestle less and less with it. Uh, and you become, as a person, harder and harder to reach and reason with. So inclination to resist God. And then inability to resist sinful desires as well. Um, very clear, without Christ, we are enslaved to our sinful desires. Christ literally says that. He who sins is a slave to sin. Um, get that language in Romans uh, 6 as well. Um, and again, it comes back to, to why the natural heart of the human being is incurable. Um, we don't want to resist the sin that's in us. Uh, we want to do it. Uh, we want to 
give ourselves over to it, as it says in, Roman, in Ephesians 4, 19. Um, and it's very, it's very important that, to say again, that that's the natural heart, okay? That's the heart when the Spirit has not come to you. And of course, we, we will see next week especially that uh, the gospel is all about changing our hearts. Uh, and not us changing our hearts, but, but Christ changing our hearts. Um, Christ coming out and cleansing our desires, renewing our wills, um, enlightening our minds. Um, isn't, it, isn't it the big proclamation of the gospel that um, he who is in Christ has been set free from sin? Um, so again, we're looking for, I think, when we think about our own hearts, um, we're looking for basically parallels, aren't we? And there will be stuff which is not true of us anymore because we're Christians. Uh, and we'll come to that next week. Um, but now, just, just to finish off for the last five, five minutes or so, um, a couple of discussion questions down there and uh, a few verses. Um, but what are good ways to respond to our sinful hearts according to the verses I put down there? Um, how, how should we, when we look inside and find that we're desperately sick, find that our minds are deceitful, find that our wills are stubborn, um, what, what do we do about that? And then how can those verses help just, just two very basic things to Christian life, our prayer life and our Bible reading? Um, how can they help us as we approach uh, those two things? Um, go for it, five, five, five or so minutes. Good, let, let's, let's wrap things up there. Let, let me just finish with a final thought from Jeremiah 17. Um, so the heart is deceitful, deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Um, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Um, there's a strong contrast, isn't it? Um, who can understand our hearts? We, we can't. Um, but God can. Now, of course, there's something, there's something scary about that, particularly if we're resisting him. Um, we, we, may, we may fool ourselves, uh, but God knows. He, he'll judge the secrets of our hearts. But I think there's something strangely comforting about it as well, particularly when taken in context of, of the gospel. I think it becomes a great comfort. Um, he, he knows, he searches my mind and heart. He knows what I'm like. And yet he still came in the person of Christ to save me. Jesus died on the cross, totally aware uh, of uh, what a sin in our hearts was like. He wasn't, God didn't deceive him. Uh, he knew the sin that he was dying for. Um, he, he, elsewhere in John's Gospel says, he, he knows what is in man. He knows what's in us. And he's come to do something about it. And so that's comforting, I think particularly when we look inside and we just feel trapped by our sin and a bit hopeless over it. There's something strangely free in admitting our hearts are sick, that we don't love what we should, that our reasoning is distorted, that our wills can be rebellious. Something strangely freeing about that and just saying, I'm not going to pretend, I've got to come to God, you know what I'm like, Lord, help me. Um, good. Uh, we need to turn church around. Let me let me pray um, quickly for us. Uh, Father, you I uh, do know uh, what we're like. Uh, you are the God who, who searches uh, our hearts, who, who knows our thoughts and desires, who, who knows every uh, rebellious uh, inclination uh, within us. I uh, pray, pray, forgive us for, uh, for our sin, uh, but also. Uh, by your grace, be turning our hearts uh, more and more towards uh, the Lord Jesus. I pray you be uh, increasingly teaching us how to do that. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.